Greetings, Sits and Sibs. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 36 and was recorded live on August 30th and made available for download September 2nd at guardfrequency.com. I'm Tony. I'm Jeff. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's school box, we catch up with our old friend, the Textron Scorpion. In CRG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the latest in-universe fiction, the letter from the chairman for $52 million, and the latest delays to Arena Commander 0.9. In last week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we learnt all about the Banu. So this week, we're going to be taking a look at their signature ship, the Merchantman. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sizz are always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Guard Frequency. So if you've got the creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you would like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love. But we do look great on the CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com, a donate button. After six months of clockwork releases, trips to L.A. and Austin, and an upcoming visit to Manchester, oh, oh, don't forget the occasional detour into lunacy, we're finally confident enough to set that hat out on the sidewalk and hope you drop in some loose change. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week, free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We thank the folks who've already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. And that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation final. This is Tony saying welcome to the squawk box, everyone. Okay, fingers crossed I don't jinx this one, too. My pet fighter jet, the Textron Scorpion, keeps racking up points. Of course, it's not really competing with any other planes out there, and as of this recording, hasn't actually been ordered into production, and is so far a giant money pit. But hey, but still, points. Two weeks ago, the Scorpion participated in an annual National Guard training exercise called Vigilant Guard here in my home state of Kansas. Intended to show off its domestic emergency response capabilities, the two-seat fighter provided real-time sensor data to mission controllers via its onboard helmet-mounted queuing system. That's something else that some fighters like the F-22 can't have because it doesn't fit. The Scorpion sent optical and infrared videos in a simulated train derailment, chemical spill, and medical evacuation scenario. Having a jet that is cheap and easy to fly that can loiter for long periods at low speeds and can launch from small rural airports could be critical when the next Katrina or Sandy hits. According to Textron, the exercise went well, but we'll see what happens over the next few months. I'll let you know when she passes her weapons trials. So this is the little engine that could, the little plane that could, man. I'm really excited for this. As a domestic jet, I've always thought that we needed something that was a rapid response, easy to maintain, and ready to go domestically. That could be even my little Bellingham International Airport here. It would be cheap, low cost, and and just mm-hmm. awesome to have. I'm really excited for this aircraft. Yeah. 
it can fly as slow as like a piston jet. It's got a sweet spot in its envelope between 150 and 200 knots. It's got two people, so one guy flies and one guy looks around. I mean, it's it's built for search and rescue, really. I mean, and think in a search and rescue environment, you've got little pockets of people stranded on top of houses or in you know unusual land areas where there's you know, the flooding has driven them to certain places. Uh, a plane that can fly low and look around for folks with an infrared camera, infrared helmet-mounted camera. I mean, you can find people quickly and direct rescue forces in via boat or what other assets you have on the ground. I mean, it's just a cool thing, and they're small enough and cheap enough that you can scatter them out all over the place. So no matter where you have an emergency, you can, you'll can you always have one within arm's reach. Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email over to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checkers green, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for August 30th, 2014, 52415000 We are halfway to the Arbitrator's Guild and my powdered wig. 538,000 plus citizens and 444,000 plus members of the UEE fleet. Jumps of six and 3,000 respectively. Growing that fleet at a good clip, people. Let's, uh, let's keep those donations pouring in. And again, let's time it so that we get a letter from the chairman on the Friday before we record. Please, if we could do that, I would appreciate it. And we're keeping up with that new guy friendly vibe to the site. You can get to the Arena Commander pack for $45 in two clicks from the front page. Don't forget, get you your beta access, Squadron 42, and Star Citizen downloads, and 1,000 UEC to start you off in the verse. And that is all the free advertising you're getting this week, Robert's Space Industries. We're doing the whole podcast about them. I'm sure that there's a lot of free advertising going on. No, 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 no. That was all. That was advertising there. That was, that was giving product details, you know. Uh, that's, that's, like a, that's like a commercial thing. It's on spec. One of these days they'll pay us for it. Once again, another crowdfunding barrier has been obliterated. We have hit the $52 million and are well on our way to $53 million. As in all letters from the chairman, we find out what we're getting for breaking through to the $54 million goal. Ten distinct types of AI character roles on planet-side environments. Bartender, doctor, entertainer, nurse, sanitation worker, security guard, shopper, tourist, vagrant, and vandal. Future AI roles will be added in the future stretch goals. Each additional class of character will be fully expressive and have a role to play in Star Citizen's planet-side interaction and the game's greater economy. This is what I had more in mind. Not quite what I had in mind, but more what I had in mind when I was talking about stretch goals earlier. Yeah. These are things that have to be in the game for it to work as, quote, promised, not in November 2012, but as the crowdfunding system took off and it became clear that they could run multiple developments in parallel rather than sequentially. The idea is now that they've got forces scattered across the globe, literally. And they're trying to keep each of them busy and each of them on track and each of them sort of hitting goals in time to provide dependencies for each other teams. In order for the persistent universe to work, and this is this is key here at the end of it, these are not just planet-side characters that will have a set of scripts that will be rendered on screen for you. Here's the bartender wiping down the counter and cleaning glasses. Here's the entertainer holding a microphone and doing a jig. No, no. These are going to be in the economy, and they're going to need inputs and they're going to produce outputs and they're going to interact on the back end of the server as well as on people's client side computer screens. These are all bits and pieces that have to go in the game and every time that you or I or anybody spends money in the game we're continuing to allow them to do parallel development. My suggestion back on Galactic Inquiry was what do you guys need 
what does CIG need to do in terms of sort of engineering or hardware or whatever to progress the game forward? What is the next big need that you have to get done? They're kind of doing maybe what I was suggesting and saying, look, here are the next integral steps to making sure that we're hitting those dependencies on time. I was a little taken aback earlier when they were like, well, what do you guys want done next? I'm like, don't you guys know what needs to be done next? Yeah, don't I, you, I, don't I, you have I'll, a chart? <laughs> I'll concede that. I'll concede that I don't know what's in the mind of a four-spot shop that's uh, across the globe and, and trying to put out a game because I have no reference for that, even though... I am a computer guy and, and work in the industry, but I do believe in your idea of the stretch goals. What steps do they have to make to bring this game to fruition? If that's yeah. what these are, then I'm all for it. I was really happy to see one thing. One, one, one thing in this one thing made me unreasonably happy. Sanitation blanket? Exactly. Yes. You knew it. You yes. knew what I was going to say, didn't you? Yes. That made me unreasonably happy because the whole concept of the economy, I talked about it with David Ladyman when I was back in Austin back way back in March, but the idea is that there's all this production, there's these manufacturers and inputs and stuff like that. One of the outputs of all those manufacturers has to be waste. Has to. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be accounted for somewhere in the great economy. So I was really illogically happy to see that the trash guy is included. I thought that was fantastic to see. I was happy to say for, again, sort of similar reasons to you. I can remember from the economy interview that we had with uh, David Ladyman that he was saying that there is going to be wastage from everything that gets created in the universe. But in addition to that, it truly does add an extra layer of flavor because every MMO that is out there, there is always a medical type. There is always a bartender. There's always an entertainer at the bar. You rarely see the guy taking out the bins or changing, no, huh? you know, changing the toilet roll and that sort of thing. Yeah, it just sort of pleased me to see that they're actually thinking about every single facet of this universe like it's a proper working model of a universe. You know, okay, so if we were a society yes. that had A, B, and C, this will produce D, E, and F, but it will also produce a lot of waste and a lot of, you know, it mm-hmm. just shows that they're going really in-depth with it as well. And so I cannot understand why a trash collector made me feel so happy when I read that, but I was like, yes, this is what the whole thing is about. Just that guy with his yellow hat complaining about people leaving a mess everywhere and whose job is it to clean this up? Yeah, mine, I bet. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. unbelievable <laughs> happiness for a trash guy. You go, trash yeah, guy. Yeah, and the thing is, is that there's an entertainer here that can make the trash guy happy once he gets off work. That's true. And again, this is the first batch, which means there's another batch of 10 they have on a spreadsheet already somewhere that they just haven't told us yet. There will be, out of the 2 million NPCs or whatever that they've got in their, in mind for, for the population of the, quote, universe, some of them are going to be strictly non-player characters, and they're going to be doing stuff like that, yep. making the whole system run in the background. I'm, again, unreasonably happy about the trash guy. Way to go. Yeah. Okay, so rampant speculation time. Pick two NPC classes that they haven't listed there that you think will be included in the next batch or in a batch, not necessarily the next batch. Ooh, ooh rampant speculation time. Taxi driver. Oh, Okay. Yep. I especially like that mm. one because that's one that could be uh, kicked out by a PC. Yeah. But someone to shuttle folks around, that could be like one of the jobs if you don't have your own ship. I especially, I, I like that one. Okay, now I have to, it's my turn to come up with one. I don't see the customs inspector. Okay. When there's going to have to be the guy that pulls you over and scans you for contraband. Yep. Especially in the outer worlds, that could definitely be a freelance job. I was going to go for journalist. That's an interesting one because of the jump point. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how that would work. Is that somebody that would be flying one of those Drake Heralds? Ha ha ha. A journalist <laughs> flying the Herald. 
that could work. That would definitely be somebody that would, again, a replaceable one, right? That could be somebody that could oh, yeah. uh, be the information carrier yeah. uh, between systems. Because I'm, I'm right. just okay. thinking if you had, like, let's just say there's a war going on somewhat near to UEE space, there's no reason why an NPC journalist couldn't go out there to cover it and then report back everything that's happening and the word spreads. Equally, I think it would be quite cool to have the journalist in the point of view that if there was a war going on and it was kind of a one side or the other wanted to keep it under wraps, then they'd probably try and take out the journalist on route to stop them getting back. And I just thought mm-hmm. that would be quite an interesting mechanic. Oh, yeah, like that's, you know, that's not happening today in this world at all. <laughs> no, yeah. no, of course not. I wasn't drawing no, no, parallels. No, of course not. No, not at all. No, not, not at all. But the thing is, if I was asked to, without seeing this list, come up with a list of AI characters, I wouldn't have even put Sanitation Worker in there. I probably would have got all the rest because Shopper and Tourist, Vagrant and Vandals, you know, that's usually what you use to represent the bad side of society. Um, mm-hmm. Bartender, Doctor, Entertainer, Nurse, they, they've all got their places. Same with Security Guard. Oh, oh I got one. Yeah. Banker. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're going to need banker people because I've already said things like they're going to have loans and stuff like that and you're going to have an account tied to your Moby Glass. Right. You're going to have to have bankers in there. Okay. In other news, a rather curious news item appeared on the RSI website entitled Terra Silver Tang for Sale, which on the surface appears to be an innocent back and forth between someone who owns a fish and someone who wishes to acquire said fish. But all is not as it seems to be. The message talks of breaking the net and losing the fish, which are things you wouldn't normally expect to hear from somebody who already has the fish for sale. So the common theory that's being floated around currently is that this is actually a ship blueprint leak being passed back and forth in some sort of clandestine manner, either from Anvil or from Origin. And there are several references to sharks smelling the blood, which are actually hidden references to the advocacy trying to block communications. So, have you guys had a chance to read this? Yes. I can tell you that, that I think the forum wisdom or whatever is, is correct. They refer specifically to the Goldfinch, which I think was the name of the leaked origin ship. Yeah. We covered that a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's got to be what this is referring to. But again, I mean, I, this is also going to pointing to something that we just talked about just a second ago with the journalist. Information does not travel the same way in this universe as it does here in the quote real world with the intertubes and whatnot when information information is available more or less instantaneously around the globe. There's going to be delays and opportunities to intercept, kind of like it used to be back, you know, in the 17th century with sailing ships and stuff. If you shot the courier and took his pouch, that message was not getting through and the information would be contained. So it's another reminder in fiction that there's going to be some mechanics there. It's going to be weird how they're going to make that be respected in the universe when there's so many alternative ways to communicate outside the game. Yeah, like you said, people are going to go outside and talk about things. If you need to get a message to somebody in the magnet system who happens to be on your TeamSpeak server, you're just going to tell them. You're not going to send a message and wait six months for right. it to be delivered. However, the NPCs won't have the ability to do that. So there will be a lot of NPC communication, I'm sure. And this goes back to the list of NPCs. So I'm going to put another one on there. I'm going to say cryptographer. Mm, yeah, okay. Somebody yeah. you can go to. If you need to communicate with an NPC contact, let's just say you're doing the MMO equivalent of handing a mission in, but you need to get a secret message to the NPC who gave you the mission in the first place, then you would need to go somewhere to try and get it encrypted or possibly you have that worked out beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then obviously if it gets yeah, I think, intercepted. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's interesting. Yeah, or, you know, that could be one of those things that the job that you take from the job board is for a certain amount of money, but you know that the message has to actually make it there in secret. So you can choose to go to the expensive cryptographer or you can take your chances by sending it kind of in the clear. It's a risk reward thing yeah. that could be an interesting piece of gameplay. Yeah, no, I, I kind of like that. I like cryptographer. Yes, we'll chalk that one up into the jobs that guys should have in the universe or girls. 
guys or girls should have in the universe. I like it. Unfortunately, we also have to report that the Arena Commander 0.9 release has been delayed, largely due to bugs in the leaderboard. CIG just didn't feel comfortable releasing something to us until it meets the standard you've come to expect. Private matches are also experiencing issues where, in some instances, it doesn't actually let you join a private match, so there's a little more work to do. Additionally, in Reverse the Verse Episode 11, Travis Day confirms that custom keybinding is being dropped from 0.9 and will not be available until 1.0. Oh dear. Mm. And there was rage. There and, was. The, and the anger poured forth, especially on that keybinding stuff. Wow. Yeah. Did that bring you some rage, Jeff? It did. Because if you look at the reveal or whatever Chris was talking about during the, the whole Gamescom thing and all that, it was like this was really a key thing that they really, really worked on and that they were really going to put in this patch. And I can understand the rage over this. I felt a little angst myself. I understand the rage in the forums, but this is insert Tony's alpha speech here. We'll just take that as red. It's going to happen. It'll happen eventually. In the meantime, you're just going to have to use your WASD or edit an XML file. And there's tons of people that can help you out to do that on the forums. It is annoying, yes, that they were promising something, quote, quote, promising, that they were pretty sure they'd be able to get that in but weren't able to get that in and not only that decided that they had bigger fish to fry and push it back i think that might have been the real kick like you know yeah we're delaying 0.9 but we've actually just thrown our hands up in the air at getting the custom key binding into 1.0 we're just going to push that feature back i think that probably twisted the knife more than anything yeah i think it's largely because people were saying that nobody really asked for leaderboards they're being put in, whereas people have been asking for key bindings and they're being removed slash pushed back. One thing that I'm curious about, though, is that they've said that it's not going to be available until 1.0. Is there not going to be a 9.1, 0.9.2, 0.9.3? Surely it could be dropped in just a little bit after, not necessarily waiting until the next major. I actually get the whole idea about the leaderboards. I could care less about who's on top, really. It's not my play style or how I want to play this game. But the back-end code and the back-ended way these things connect from the game to the website and uh, the APIs that they can do uh, and people can make all kinds of applications from this, that's what's really key here. As far as the versioning goes, I think they're trying not to get too deep into the versions. Usually a 0.9 means that, okay, the next version is going to be 1.0. Unless there's small incremental little fixes or hot patches to the 0.9, and then right. you're going to get to the features that have been included right, right? to the features that were in 0.9 yeah right yeah. also i'd like to point out jeff you make an excellent point and i'm wondering where that point might have also been made in the recent past um, right here on our right here the, on our show i believe. oh that's right i think lenin pointed out not two episodes ago i think maybe even last episode the importance of being able to connect to the back end of the website to the front end of the game and so i mean there's only two possible explanations for this. Either one, they're listening to the show and they love the game we're building as well, or two, we're in their heads. Probably both are There is a third option. I would, I would imagine. What's that? The message that I sent via the Herald to you got intercepted somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't shot down and destroyed. It was captured yeah, and captured the and encrypted data, data core. Mm, well, that's yes, the thing is that I be. clearly didn't encrypt it enough. I was talking about ah. fish. They're quite aware that fish are not red herrings. Well, again, you know, delays are going to happen. August 27th, again, was an ambitious goal, I think, two weeks after they showed the demos. And the poor guys are working over Labor Day weekend to try to get it pushed out. Kudos to the team. Good job, guys. We're happy you guys are, are cranking away on it. 
Take some time off, though. It's okay. You know, it's an ambitious project. Don't sprint now. It's a marathon. Good on you. Keeping on working on it. We'll wait for the key binds. Yeah, the other okay, thing with the right. leaderboard as well is that being able to see who is first is actually a key component of racing. You know, I'm not a racing That's expert true. by any means, but I believe <laughs> finishing position is kind of key to the whole Thanks. I will get on a little bit of a rant here. Now, I acquired a beautiful RSI model of the Connie in a nice little display case in my hangar. And I got my poster. But they weren't where I expected them to be. My poster is in the front door where I first log in and not in the area by my fish tank or towel. And my model case was down the hall a ways. So I thought, well, this is wonderful. Where are they going to put the in-game leaderboards? Now, we've talked about the website leaderboards, but we never talked mm. about the in-game leaderboards. So you look up and you go on, oh, so yeah, okay, Richard Petty is racing and I need to get so many points to beat him. I better get in my 325 and go do some races. Now, this all may be fixed by the new hangar updates. Do you think do you think it might be a Moby Glass thing rather than any sort of fixed console? Do you think that might be something that would just that you could pull up on your Moby Glass? No, I reckon it would be a fixed console. I, I, think, a fixed I think it should be a scrolling leaderboard. It should be like a large digital display in your hangar. Come on, you've got a lot of hangar wall space in your hangar. And it needs to be active, and it needs to have some ambiance in there. All right, I like it. I like it. CIG, that's our suggestion for this week. Actually, the, you know what? Now, the more I think about that, that is a really fantastic idea. And I'm going to tell you why. Jeff is a genius, and here's why. One of the challenges of MMOs, I'm using the MMO in a quotation mark because, you know, Star Citizen is not an MMO. But one of the challenges is making sure that people are aware that it's a living, vibrant, breathing world that you're actually inhabiting. The hangar is supposed to be your house, right? It's supposed to be your base. Theoretically, at this point, you're the only one that should be in there without granting explicit permissions of anybody else. That leaderboard is a reminder that there's a universe for you out there. And it could be customizable. Maybe you don't want to care about races. Maybe you care about prices for commodities. Maybe you care about marks that you've tagged, you know, persons of interest that you've tagged and what system they're currently in or something like that. That is a great way to remind her that even though you're in your little sanctuary, your little home place or whatever, there's a world out there going on and that you're actually a part of it when you log in. I really like this idea, Jeff, and they really need to do this. Good job. But now it's time for... News we didn't use. Fan Spotlight, Music, Volume 2. More talented folks from around the verse. You should really check them out. CIG will be having a presence at PAX Prime and at DragonCon. Yeah, thanks for the early warning. Orbital Supermax, Episode 9, where Pike and Relic have gone to meet their maker. Tenth of the Chairman, Episode 35, featuring corruption, insurance fraud, and how you can name your own planets. And Around the Verse, Episode 11, featuring the sound design team from the UK and lead technical artist Matt Intrieri. I have a little comment on the CIG at PAX Prime and Dread Dragon Con. Turns out that L and Vinny, our Andorians that help manage the written blog posts over on our Priority One podcast website, they're kind of con buddies with Silas and Ben Lesnick, who went to Dragon Con and who probably, hopefully, have met up there and exchanged uh, alien greetings somehow. So congratulations and have fun at the con, you guys. We'll miss you. And, of course, we can't forget this week's community question. We want to know your theories on the Terra Silver Tang for sale letter. Let us know by commenting on this week's post on GuardFrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at RobertSpaceIndustries.com. 
And now that you're all caught up with everything happening around the verse, let's find out all we can about the brand new merchantman in this week's Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, citizens, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve into the guts of Star Citizen and give you all the illuminated details from the inside out. A warning up front, though, the game is still in active development, so anything that we say is subject to change. Carrying on the theme from last week, with humanity's first space friends, the Banu, this week we learn all about the Banu Merchantman. The Banu are renowned throughout the verse as traders, dealing with everyone from the humans to the Vandal. And like all good spacefaring races, the Banu have a variety of ships, but their most recognizable design by far is the Merchantman. At 100 meters long, the Merchantman is certainly up there in the size of the big boys of the verse. To give you some perspective, that's as long as five hornets laid end to end. There is plenty of room for cargo too, as she holds a whopping 6,000 freight units twice as many as a caterpillar, but only two-thirds of a hull sea. The merchantman can have a max crew of eight, and she'll need it. Aside from keeping an eye on all that cargo, she's capable of equipping three TR-6 main engines and 12 TR-3 maneuvering thrusters. She has a shield with a max rating of seven. I believe that might be ice cream sundae. As far as weaponry goes, well, it's a bit of a mystery. We know the merchantman will feature a class two, class three, and class five weapons, an articulated gun, a missile pylon, and a manned turret, but we don't know how many of each of them there will be. Early specs had two class two, four class threes, and two class fives, but these have recently been removed from the specs page, no doubt awaiting a refit. Still, as fun as the weapons and engines are, the merchantman was built for trading. And in episode 66 of Wingman's Hangar, Chris Roberts himself tells us that the Banner Merchantman will have a whole receiving room inside of it. Yep, you heard that correctly. You have an entire storefront inside of your ship. You'll be able to go pick up some goods and then open a store right inside your ship for trading to other players, either in space or planet side. And to borrow a quote directly from the chairman, you know, kind of much like a traveling bazaar. And if that wasn't enough excitement, in the $32 million letter from the chairman, Chris also tells us that the merchantman can be adapted into a fast, highly armored smuggling ship capable of running blockades and escaping the authorities. That and the thing looks damn cool as well. This is a flexible vessel. Yeah, it is. Well, 6,000 freight units, we don't know what a freight unit is, but I'm guessing it's, you know, like a a one-by-one block, you know, just whatever block size they figure uh, is the common storage compartment size. So 6,000 of those is quite a hauler. And I think if they're going to have a store associated with that, that gives you some idea of what they're thinking in terms of what it would take to stock a merchant. And we were talking earlier about the, you know, what are you going to have in the universe? You know, what a bartender is going to have to do to have inputs and outputs, what a store manager would have to have. You know, maybe that's another NPC we need to have. So if you're going to have a store inside your ship, they're going to have to hook up that inventory NPC control system into your ship. And I think that that's going to be even yet another layer of complexity because now the trading system that you would find at a vendor is going to have to be mappable to player systems, right? You're going to have a ship inventory. You're going to have some sort of paper doll ship inventory, and you're going to have to be able to run that. It's another, I don't know, replaceability like we were talking about. Some of those NPCs probably aren't going to be replaceable, like the sanitation worker probably not. But Jeff's taxi driver, maybe so. So maybe someday merchants will be replaceable NPCs. And if you want to run a store, you know, kind of like Star Wars Galaxies, people were vendors and stuff like right, that. Right, Maybe this is how they get to there. You build up a cargo of 6,000 units of whatever. At some certain threshold point, it's enough that you can have access to whatever back-end stuff you need to do to run a vendor stall, run a vendor station. 
and then you can set yourself up as a business. Or maybe it'll be as simple as just opening up a trading window with somebody. But then anybody should be able to have that, right? You know, just an individual buy and sell between two players. But it's, you know, that's interesting. It's yet another layer of gameplay that uh, is yet to be explored. Yeah, and on that note with the NPCs being able to trade, in Final Fantasy fourteen, the way that you would have to set up a trade player to player, there's a couple of ways you can go through the auction house, you can you can just trade directly, but there was a third method whereby you could hire an NPC and then offload from your inventory into their inventory, set a price next to everything, and then they would basically go and stand in the marketplace and anything that got bought, the total would then end up in your wallet. So I could see that that would work quite well, that you would have a few NPC traders that you fill their inventories, and then when people can come into your ship, they can just pick up whatever it is they want. This would also then allow you to transfer it onto a space station, so it shouldn't have to stop trading just because you're not actually online. So that you would hire like some NPC crew to stand at your store counter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could use player characters. There's no reason why you couldn't. Right. But I think giving it the NPC option then allows you to leave them there even when you're not physically present in the game or off doing other things alternatively. How would people get in your ship? I mean, would you just give anybody permission to be on your ship? Well, that's that's why I was saying you could either transfer it to a space station. It would give you that ability. Or, you know, if your ship's in the hangar, could you not leave it in the hangar with, like, the door open just to the storefront part? Interesting. Well, I mean, those are good questions for the people that are actually blocking out the interior of the Banu ship. I mean, do you have, like, a secondary airlock that just opens up to the storefront and, and then, you know, the main airlock that gets you to the main part of the ship? But hell, the storefront would have to be connected to the cargo hold, and that's where all the goodies are. Here's some gameplay for you right there. We know that the, they've already said that uh, you know certain zones will be player versus player free, right? You won't be able to attack other players in the game. But, geez, if you land your Banu merchantmen on one of those lawless zones, then you open up your trading door, which by necessity would have to be connected to the cargo area. Are you inviting an invasion into the guts of your ship? Interesting stuff. Mm. Let's see how they solve these problems. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sib taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! Coming to us from our show post at GuardFringZ.com, Sean Newboy writes in and says, Love the show. I think they will drop some hints slash details slash trailer for Squadron 42. He's talking about the PAX Australia reveal. This universe reminds me of the Fasces Renegade Legion universe to an extent. And from the RSI forum post, Saladin says, Brilliant show, as always, guys. Been AFK for a while, but I never miss your show. I'm not a betting man, as that typically requires money, but if I was, I would say that in addition to the FPS reveal, we will see a demo of boarding or perhaps a planet-side reveal. Here's hoping. Question for you guys. Do you think the 350R or the M50 will go back on sale prior to or shortly after the racing drop? Cheers. P.S. The audio announcement that you played prior to the James Bond News Rundown segment, which I really like in your new format, by the way, is distorted and unreadable. I have no idea what it says. Thanks. Well, it's quite simple. It says... News, we news. 
which if you still couldn't quite pick that out, it's me shouting the phrase, news we didn't use. My original plan on that was to have us rotate out, and this week I've actually done that because these two have finally recorded their lines. Not that I asked them before this evening, but nobody else knows. Don't tell anyone. I'm sorry, all I heard was a lot of whispering and like some feedback. Did you say something earlier? I bet... I bet that they do run another 350R sale. The M50 was on sale pretty recently, so I don't think they're going to do that one again for a while. But I bet they put the 350R on sale when they drop the racing. Yeah. Do you reckon that we'll see the Mustang go on sale because they've got the AMD variant? Ooh. No. No. I bet. I, I said. Remember, that was a stretch goal or a, one of those voting things. Yeah, so that's true. I bet until it's actually ready to go, they'll keep that under wraps until it's hangar ready anyway. Maybe not destruction maps and all that kind of stuff, but... Until it's hangar ready, I don't think they're going to put that on sale. Yeah, I have to say, as a racer, I do quite like the Mustang. The look of it with the AMD skin looks quite sleek. Now, if you were to come tell me that the Mustang was going to be a racing ship, my opinion of that would have been totally different. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, I think that they're going to save the Mustang until it's ready to go, and then we'll finally have our space ponies, because it's a Mustang. And we hear from Dax. He says, Howdy, mates. Great work on the show again. I have a question for you guys, if you might indulge me. How do you want Star Citizen to handle mature themes in-game? Or is it a non-issue compared to pew-pew action? This is a good question. Very good question. Um, This is a very good question because we're dealing with a game that's supposedly based on a, a tremendous historical epoch event, the downfall of a large empire and uh, the, the associated large-scale dislocations of many, many people, the opportunity for gratuitous violence and uh, terrible, horrible things happening to people, they abound. Those opportunities certainly abound. And I, for one, the things that we've heard from CIG so far are that they want to keep it sort of PG-13 to R in that sort of area. They don't want the graphic stuff to be in your face. In my opinion, the best gauge of that it has been the Orbital Supermax fiction that they've had out so far. That's pretty gritty and underbelly stuff. You know, there's cannibals in the universe, and uh, there's a very extremely vulnerable professional woman in the middle of a prison, which they handled quite deftly, I thought. I think that's about as gritty as you're going to get, and I think that's probably about right. I think this should be considered a real adult universe. What I mean is that I believe that if you go into a large spaceport, you're going to find strip clubs with nudity. But I don't think it should be in the face kind of thing. I don't, you know, finding, you know, mod kits on the forum somewhere to get your NPC pilot to appear in the buff, I think is totally out of the realm of what I'm thinking of as, do you remember Blade Runner? The mo- I yep. mean, the, real, the original yeah. Blade Runner. I, I see a lot of this as the noir of Blade Runner. The atmosphere, the ambiance, the visual, you know, uh, neon lighting and dark, and especially in the fringe worlds. And I think we should consider, to, you know, if we see adult themes, that we shouldn't just go, oh, my God, there's adult themes. And I'm, of course, talking about boobies, you know. Well, I, that's a good point. Yeah, because it's sex, get it right down to it. The mature themes, it's either gore or sex. And there's going to be some gore. We're going to have first-person shooters, right, and van duels with knives. So, you know, I mean, that, that's going to happen. But, yeah, that's what we're talking about, sex. But, again, like you said, it could be it could be violence as well. If we're doing an FPS module, there's a difference between shooting somebody and they fall down or shooting somebody big splatters of blood, their head falls off, there's blood pumping everywhere. You know, there's so many extremes that you could do. I think that 
what would be good to see if they did want to try and keep within a particular rating would possibly be some sort of gore slider which you could use you know how much blood do you want to see yay or nay um that's usually a quick way of implementing it um i actually did a bit of forum research on this one and managed to find that there is a quote on the forums which i will put as a link in our show notes where ben had a chat with chris about mature themes and just to sort of summarize what's quite a long post they say that star citizen won't be aiming for any particular esrb rating but it will match most of Chris's previous games, which is just adult storytelling, but it's not out to prove how edgy it is. Ben then goes on to say, I believe all of Chris's previous games were a T on the ESRB scale, with the exception of Wing Commander 4, which was an M, and the fact that it slipped to an M is exactly the line we'll be taking with Star Citizen. Chris decided a particularly violent cutscene was necessary to the story and insisted that it stay in. So from the game's publisher perspective, you know, it it would have then gone narrowed down because it wouldn't be able to sell it to teens, but Chris isn't going to sacrifice story for the sake of trying to squeeze it into a PG-13 rating. And I think that that's one good thing that we've got with this development model is that there is no overall publisher who is trying to you know oh no this must appeal to um, everybody age range zero to 90 and the female demographic the male demographic the the i I don't know chinese demographic not that chinese is a separate gender that's kind of odd um but they're not trying to shoehorn (laughs) in like it must fit this requirement that requirement and i don't think that chris would he's just not the sort of guy that would just oh let's just put in a minimum booby count of 25 that's an odd number that's that's not natural let's go with 26 that's at least 13 women that is where was i going with this yes um i I think given everything that's on tv at the moment you have things like um uh, rome was probably the first hbo series that introduced a lot more sex type scenes than previous and then the tudors went on and did that again and then game of thrones which is it it might as well just be renamed game of boobs it's it's a trope yeah it's and that's all it is i don't think it's required i think people just try to push the boundaries of what they can get away with and i don't think Chris is like that. So I'm fairly certain that it will be handled yeah. respectfully, I think is the best way of saying it. If it's necessary, right. it will be in. If it's unnecessary, it just won't be. And, and, you know, like one of the reasons people do that is to sort of, you know, excuse the word, titillate. I mean, <laughs> and that, that is exactly, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you try to do. It's like we have to get people to talk about it, right? You know, so we push the envelope a little bit because then people have a conversation outside the game in the media about, oh, we're so edgy and we did this and that. This game doesn't need that, really. It's already getting plenty of word-of-mouth exposure. It's getting press exposure for its crowdfunding model and for bringing the PC game back from the dead, et cetera, et cetera. It's got a lot of buzz going for it already. It doesn't need it. And like I was saying, if it's not necessary to the story, there's no reason to have it in there. The other thing is, if it may be necessary to the story, but it may not be necessary to the gameplay. And I think that's really where it comes in. Unless there needs to be those mature themes for the development of the gameplay, there's really not a real good reason to have it in there. And if you if it's part of the story and there's uh, the story you're building is your own character's story, if your character needs extra gore and extra sex maybe you ought to look at yourself and how you're spending your time <laughs> if, if you need to go into a game for those things. Take a break for a minute and you do some, some self-examining time might be in order. That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. Also, in Privateer, wasn't there a pleasure planet? I believe there was, actually. That, and that's fine, but you know, you don't need to do a mocap of all the various different things you can do behind closed doors in a pleasure planet. No, I think we do. <laughs> well, I, I also think what we need to remember is that we don't need to exploit it but we don't need to suppress it either. And I think it's... Yes. It, yeah. 
the pleasure planet's a good point. If you forgive me, Jeff, I think, let me just see if, 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 if you and I agree on this point here. You can have the pleasure planet and you can make it a credit sink, right? And you can have people show up and go there and there's a black market there and all, because that's a thing that would probably exist in this, in this universe. But you don't have to go into the rooms. Right. And that's the sort of thing where I would let my son, who's now 11, I would have a conversation about brothels and why they're there and what happens behind those closed doors, but he doesn't have to see it. And I'll turn him loose with his own account and he can play the game and I just, and that, that doesn't bother me. But if you could do like the hot coffee mod on Grand Theft Auto behind those closed doors, then I'm never going to know. At 11, no, 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 no. Actually, that is a good um, point that you bring up. Where you just mentioned the word mod. And I guess, you know, truly, if you wanted more or less than what CIG are giving you, you've always got the option to create your own server and mod it to your heart's content. Boom. From our email address, skork at guardfrequency.com, Zerlo writes in to say, Great episode, guys. Lennon, I'm not convinced the Banu Protectorate is an analogy for the Holy Roman Empire. I think it more closely resembles the Phoenicians and all the Greek city-states because those were the contemporary trading partners of the Roman Republican Empire. Either way, as Dave Haddock and Chris Roberts constantly remind us, modelling the UEE after the history of Rome was a starting point and not a fixed guideline for all the concepts and developments in Star Citizen's lore. Yeah, okay, so I'll fully accept that. The Phoenicians, yeah, they are thought of by many as uh, an early example of being the first world economy, even though they were surrounded by a million different empires. So I I can fully see how that goes. Uh, My main reason for picking the Holy Roman Empire was mainly the political system that's involved and also the fact that the Dutch, obviously, are renowned traders and taking on the point that Rome was purely a starting point for the UEE and wasn't, like you said, a fixed guideline. So yeah, the Phoenicians would work as a contemporary trading partner. Krell writes in and says, My guess for the surprise reveal will be an updated Idris. I'm guessing it won't be ready. I think the Idris is going <laughs> to be too big for any hangar, and I expect it to end up on the exterior landing pad, if it can land at all. Last I heard, that was no longer a sure thing. I wonder if they're shooting for the 1.0 release to coincide with PAX Australia. That would make it for a pretty good secret reveal. I would love either one of those things, but I don't think yeah, those I don't. Are, are realistic. Yeah. I'd love to see what they've done with the Idris so far. It would really surprise me if we got a look at that before the first few chapters of Squadron 42. My reasoning on that one being they can put you more on rails in the Squadron 42 stuff. So that if there's parts of the ship that aren't done, they can just have you run through the parts of the ship that are done for whatever first episodes they've got you on the Idris. Probably not going to have those sort of boarding actions ready for a while yet. I'm looking forward to see if it can land, too. I bet it will. I bet the Idris will land. Before we go on, I just wish to say, Tony, I'm going to have to set you a challenge. You're allowed to reply to the Twitter comment that's coming up, but you must do it in ten words or less. (laughs) Done. Go ahead. From Twitter, we hear from Permanent Starlight. At Guardfreak, Tony, I'm on board with your idea about dollars to ships to UEC. Let's have a discussion about how this could be exploited. Post to Reddit? Question mark? Yes. You've got nine words left, are you sure? I'm done. Ten words or less. Do I get bonus points for using less than ten? Yeah, why not? It can be like one of those old school video games. The time left goes to adding to your score. So, yeah, you get nine points for that. Well done. I think that deserves an achievement. And from our amazing donors of monetary goodness, $100. Oh, boy, really? $100? Yeah. Yep. Somebody really likes us. That was the best test of the donation can yet. It worked. Of course, with all the bugs testing, one needs to make sure it works all the time. So repeat tests are encouraged. 
Of course, don't forget this week's community question. We want to know your theories on the Terra Silver Tang for Sale letter. Let us know by commenting on this week's show post on CardFrequency.com or over on our show's weekly thread at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Do you want to spread it around or do you want to maybe put on some rubber gloves while listening? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com, and you can subscribe to us at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute, tell us what's on your mind. Before we go, we want to let you know that Guard Frequency is heading deep into the dev's lair as Lennon plans for a trip to Manchester to meet Aaron Roberts and the team at Foundry 42. We had to delay our previous trip due to some unforeseen scheduling difficulties, but we're still going. Get us your questions over on our show's forum thread or on GuardFrequency.com on this week's episode post. And that brings us to the end of episode 36 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 37 on September 9th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows at GuardFrequency.com or on the official Robert Space Industries fan sites of Vorum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do here? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Well, if so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization Guard Frequency Response at the official RSI website. That's robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Saturday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central, and that's Sundays at 2 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artist, Simon Trollton Edwards. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we want to especially thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. We thank the folks who've already contributed and hope you hope and hope you hope and we hope you hope because hope is very important. To hope is a wonderful thing. This is Tony Nuggets Sync this 1. This is Lennon Nuggets Sync 2. This is Jeff Nuggets Sync 3. And Nuggets in 3, 2. Greetings, sis and What the heck was that? <laughs> that was me sne- trying to hold back a sneeze. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that can hurt. Did you yeah. like, pop your eardrum? Yeah, I did. <laughs> wow. Oh, don't, don't, hey, don't do that, man. We do not want to be responsible for injuries around here. We're just a volunteer podcast. There's no workman's comp. To give you some perspective, it's as long as five horns. Uh, <laughs> five horns. Five horns. <laughs> oh, I got like a French horn and a tuba and a trumpet. And I'm missing about I'm missing about a hundred meters there. I, no, ninety nine meters. I've got to about a meter now. Okay, smaller your instruments. Coming to us from our show post at guardfrequency.com. Sean, your boy. Right? Uh, 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 uh.
Are you okay? This that says G. Does it? That says G. No. Says G. Oh, no. I didn't refresh. It says L. No, it says L. I'm Scroll sorry. Two up. to one, Tony. <laughs> Son of a. <laughs> the audio announcement that you play prior to the James Bond news roundup round down. Oops. Prior to the James Bond news round down segment, which is distorted, which in- is actually run. Down. He says run down there. I did. You said round down. Oh, run down. <laughs> It's like you it's like you're trying to be Canadian. Round down. I, I know, like Rousedower. All right. Rousedower. PS the audio announcement that you play prior to the James Bond news rundown segment, which I really like in your okay, new Can you do that with the Tony is an asshole? Yeah, with the, without the passive aggressive <laughs> Tony is such a cock in the voice there. <laughs> Once again, another crowdfunding barrier has been obliterated. Obliterated. Much like my obliterated. Oh, I like that word. <laughs> We're going to start using that one with Wingo Man. I obliterated his Wingo Man. Okay, and lead technical artist Matt Interter. Inter. <laughs> and lead technical artist Matt Interary. 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 Okay, okay. Yes, do you want you want the last word, Jeff? Do I want the last? No, I, I I think I think we're all on the same page on here. Uh, you know, be boobies, I'm sure it's going to be a last word. Boobies. <laughs>